Alright guys, welcome back to episode 8, week 8 of the Unknown TO Podcast. We got a very special guest for you, Justin Bob of Scarborough's very own of MLSC. A very highly touted person, a mentor of mine, someone I speak very highly of. I want to say welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you for having me, Scarborough's very own. I like that one. Keep that one. We got to mention it. You know how it goes. You know how it goes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, on the Scarborough topic to start it off. Um, what was it like growing up in Scarborough? I mean, you grew up in uh, in the '90s, um, and you grew up specifically in the Danzig and Morningside area, right near Coronation Street over there. So back then, it was, it was um, a lot of violence going on in the city, so to speak, and being like right almost in the middle of it. What were some of the things that you experienced? How did you stay out of it? How did you like keep yourself out of trouble and not all that kind of jazz? That's a lot of questions, man. <laughs> Now, I appreciate that. I mean, Scarborough, Scarborough means everything to me. I think it, you, you get to decide what your neighborhood's all about. You know, people will look at your community, look at your neighborhood and try to maybe create a storyline that works for them. But w- when I grew up in our hood, like it was just home for us. It wasn't we didn't look at it as a negative type of situation. You know, so I think there's so many assets in my community that have come out of my community, whether that is in music, in sports, in acting. There's doctors, there's lawyers from the same hood I'm from. There's realtors, there's teachers. So I think it depends on what news channel you watch. And then that'll kind of give you a perception of what a community is all about. You said a group in the 90s, man, that to me is like the golden era. That means we had the best athletes, we had the best music, you know. So for me, it means everything to me. And I, I still go through the neighborhood and try to show love. Wicked, um, wicked. Well said. Uh, first off, I want to clarify just for people listening, if you don't know, Justin was our former boss. <laughs> so we're Matt, myself, and Mandela. He was our former boss, so we uh, we now get to grill and, and see if our performance reviews were accurate. Or he was, you know, uh, but but no, that's just for disclosure, just for anyway knowing. Um, and and yeah, Justin, we we all look up to you, like Mandela said, you're a mentor and you know, going through this process of like coming up with questions and, and preparing for this interview. I personally, I learned some things about you and these questions where I'm like, wait, he did this. This was part of what he did. And like, for one, I didn't know, uh, like I knew you were from Scarborough, but I didn't know from where in Scarborough. So that was, you know, uh, fun to learn about, um, and very interesting, but also, you know, tying into this next question, like, I didn't know you went to Ryerson. I didn't know you played ball at Ryerson. (laughs) I did, man. Uh, I, I loved my experience at Ryerson. Uh, we were terrible at that time. We're not. It wasn't the same Ryerson that you see right now, like national yeah. champion contenders winning Ontario. We were awful. We lost a lot of games, but it was the best experience of my life. And some of my best friends are ones that I met, you know, hooping. So yeah, that means a lot to me. Damn. Um, no, that's really cool because. Like you said, like I, I went to Ryerson recently. I just recently graduated, and yeah, Ryerson's a powerhouse. So it's interesting to see like that you were part of that, that program's history to where it is today. Um, is there anything like from, from that like you remember from that time where maybe the transition was tough or there was um, like, like the, just the experiences on and off the court at that time or. Yeah, for sure. There's so many. I mean, to me, the biggest thing about university for me is, is it helped me to define success. I don't remember a lot about my actual coursework. I'm not a big person around like higher education just to like take classes. But I think my experience in university helped me to learn about myself more than anything. Um, challenges, barriers, for sure. Uh, walking on campus, I'm a black kid. 
I play on the sports team. So people think you're some like entitled jock. There's this weird thing that happens when you play, when you're a student athlete, like I think student athletes work harder than the average student, but the perception of student athletes is that like, we just get stuff given to us. Like I got to go to practice. I got to go to the weight room. I got to go to games. I got to travel. I still have to do all the homework you have to do. So, you know, that, that to me was one of the things that helped to really shape that. And I like to tell people, cause like I, it took me almost eight years to do my degree. And people think everything's just like, oh, you go in, graduate, move on. Like, no, like it wasn't that easy for me. You know, I started off as a full-time student based on family search, um, based on family circumstances. I had to finish my educational career as a part-time student. So I worked full-time. I took part-time classes and it took me forever to finish. And there were so many times when I thought I would never graduate from university. So the fact that I did finish to me is how I define success. I wasn't a straight A student. I wasn't like on the dean's list and all those things, but I've proved my, to myself I could get it out the mud and like just commit myself to something and finish it. So to me, that's like the most important thing about my university experience. Wow. That's, that's awesome. To, uh, to chime in about your um, comment on student athletes, um, in my program, Sports Management at Durham College, we had um, three girls on the basketball team and they were like the stars of the basketball team. And the commitment to their work and their games, their practice schedule, like they're showing up at school at 6 a.m., doing their workouts, doing their practices. Then they have classes all day, got to go home, do homework, and then on game nights, it's even worse, right? Because you don't have that time at night to do the homework. So absolutely, kudos to you, kudos to you for that. that. That's discipline mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. Uh, just recalling on some of our previous conversations at LP, where you know our former boss had tons of time to talk to us. Uh, just thinking about some of your conversations where you mentioned you used to work at Toronto Community Housing or TCHC. What were some of your experiences like and what were some of the initiatives you might have been able to accomplish while under the uh, TCHC wing? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that question. For me, again, it goes back to how you define success because, you know, people build these storylines about these hoods and these communities. I saw the most amazing communities I've ever been in because you could go live in one of these rich, bougie neighborhoods and that's cool, but most people go home, they lock their front door, they don't know their neighbor, they don't talk to each other. Like growing up in, in housing myself, like you have a sense of community. There's a sense of pride about where you live. Uh, people really come together, and they build for themselves. So that was a big uh, learning for me was that like where, I, where I'm from, I can be proud of that because there's a lot of great things about these communities. Now, there are systemic barriers and, and oppressive you know, systems that have held back a lot of people that live in these communities. So working there, I really understood my responsibility was to try to break the generational cycle of, of, of housing and to try to help young people to build skills um, that they can use to have better educational outcomes or have better employment outcomes. And for me, like y'all know me, like that's through sport. That's what I care about. So, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of talented people who, who helped us to build these programs where we use sport as a tool to give kids another option, right? Um, Cole says it in his rap, like, you know, I turn the TV on, not one hero in sight, unless he dribble or he holding a mic. Like mm-hmm. if all we show young black kids is that, then what do we expect them to, to strive for? And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Like my homies that rap make way more money than I'm, but I'm just saying that we got to give young people, you know, as many opportunities as we can and let them pick where, what road they want to go down. Cause to me, it's not better or worse. It's just different. 
Mm-hmm. No, well said. Growing up in community housing, I know exactly what it's like to have that community outcome and the support and everything when you're living inside and, and just knowing everybody who comes in and out or lives there and you always have a friend. So I know, I know what you you mean. And just speaking on the sports stuff, uh, tons of opportunity for me when I was growing up to have that sport aspect uh, in the community housing uh, area. So it was, it was great. Um, and then the next question I would have is, how did you discover some of your interest in coaching and tell us about some of the experiences you had uh, maybe going throughout your coaching career, maybe assistant coaching and head coaching and stuff like that? I think I, I was always a better coach than player. So I think when I turned 16 and was still under six feet, I realized the NBA was probably not a viable option for me. So to me, the fact that people pay me money to coach basketball, like I, I would do it for free. Don't tell them, like let them pay me. But it's, it's, it's to me, it's the most fulfilling process because I'm competitive. Like I like to win. I want to draw plays. I, I'm really tactical. I like to be methodical. I want to watch film. I want to get ready. I believe in being prepared. I, I believe in working hard. So I get to, I guess, use all of those things in a sport context as a coach. But more than all of that, what I love is to see you three guys hosting a podcast. Because to me, like sport is just a vehicle. It's not the destination. And, and I try to instill that in the athletes that I have the pleasure of coaching is like, this is what you do. It's not who you are. And this will end at some point being a player at a competitive level. It's not going to happen forever for most of us. And you can use the skills you gain here and flip those into, into other things. And I think that's what I like to, to give an authentic representation of like the best coaches I ever had were like hood coaches. They didn't have certification. They didn't know what long-term athlete development was. Physical literacy is like you guys know at your age. Like they were just people from the neighborhood that want to give back and give us an opportunity to hoop. And at the essence of it, that's what it is to me. Like just give an opportunity, whatever that may be. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a perfect answer. Um, where, where are you coaching right now? What, what, uh, what, Right now, I'm not coaching anywhere because of this beautiful COVID thing. But uh, ah, hopefully, yes. hopefully, COVID <laughs> cleans itself up. But I'm the head coach for Women's Basketball Centennial College, in Scarborough. Okay. You know, big up Scarborough again. Yes, um, yes. Hopefully, we'll have sport back. And I don't know what's going to happen. We're waiting to see kind of like, you know, when school goes back in person and then when they deem it safe to have athletics. But I'm hopeful we'll get back at it. Mm-hmm. So, you have so any- funny oh. enough. Funny enough, um, he actually coached against Durham College when I was there, and I didn't know this at the time, and I didn't know him, and uh, I watched us play his team, and we beat them up pretty good, we beat them up pretty good, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite thing about being a coach, Mandela, is people like to talk smack to me, I'm wearing dress pants on the sideline, but anytime you want to suit up, baby, you can get that smoke. <laughs> you know, Justin, Justin is really quick-witted, that is one thing for sure. <laughs> He's good with ball, yeah. So, Mandela, are you hitting staff friends? point contest. <laughs> Listen, you guys have seen me play ball. Like, I'll stick to the ice. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, no, uh, Corey, do you have any question to follow up? Um, no, I think, you know, I, I think we all understand where Justin's coming from in terms of the, the coaching, like what got him into coaching. Otherwise, we would all be where we are today um, mm-hmm. if we didn't all share that that common interest. Um but of course, we've spoken at length that Justin is our former boss um, and and our former boss at MLSE Launchpad, which, of course, is a um, somewhat of a community center in downtown Toronto. Um, and they go beyond just the community center. It's it's a family ordeal, really. Uh, we get 
families from the Regent Park, Moss Park area to come in and uh, there's free programs for the kids to learn sport, but not just learn the sport itself, but also healthy life skills and healthy eating. And there's homework club. There's the list goes on and on. I'm sure Justin can explain this because he's been doing it for the past three years or four years <laughs> better than I can. Um, but yeah, going into that side, uh, what, you know, your career, like you talked about, you coached, you worked with TCHC, uh, you went to Ryerson. How did it lead? How did that lead you to MLSC to MLSC Launchpad when it started? That's a great question. I think that's another thing that's interesting is that my journey is not linear. You know, like I didn't like take this course in college and then get that entry level job and then get that promotion. I think the journey is really more important than the destination. And a lot of times, people want to speed to the end result. Um, but my journey has been very, it's been challenging it's been tough and sometimes people look at it and they think like oh wow like well you lit you got all of this you got this you got but you, people don't know what you have to give up to get what you have and i think that's the most important thing i try to remind people is you got to be willing to give something up you know like like mandela talked to if you're not willing to wake up and get to the gym before class like what do you really think you're going to produce on the field court pitch whatever so you know my path to mlsc was me doing community work and being involved in sport and then having the opportunity to, to help lead the sport portfolio at MNC Launchpad really came as a perfect like dream job, a cross-section of what I care about, community development and sport. And all of my experiences that led into that is what helped me to get that job because I don't have a PhD and because I don't have a master's. And like I didn't have a lot of the opportunities that some other people might have, right? So I had to kind of find other ways to grind it out, have side hustles and and do multiple gigs and volunteer over here and speak over there because I was building my skill set this whole way. So if you think about yourself, you know, being on your own pond, working on your skills, and then you show up to practice, and everyone's like, yo, how did you learn how to do that? But they don't realize how many hours you spent skating. And I think that's the thing I try to remind people all the time is I do have a lot of privilege. I have a lot of amazing parts of my life. I'm grateful for all the opportunities I've had. But I've sacrificed and I've put in the time and I've put the work in. So um, I think that's how it kind of comes together, right? And I'm very fortunate to be able to work um, in a job that like fuels my passion. Because sometimes you have to, like I've worked jobs before that I don't love, but I need money. And then on the side, I'll just take on projects that I really love because it fulfills me. And sometimes we think that our full-time job is supposed to give us full fulfillment as well. I don't think that's fair. Like sometimes a job is just a job and I got to like be part of the economy. I got to I got to earn money. I got to support my family, but I really love these other things. So let me go over there and do this other thing to fulfill my, my own desires. Yeah, for sure. That's a great answer. I'm going to touch on what you just said, actually. So part of the reason I started coaching hockey is because like I was a student in school working like at Tim Hortons doing, you know, go to school, go to work after. And it's like, it was like boring, like no fulfillment. And then just started coaching on the side and, got the fulfillment from there and yeah, you don't necessarily always get it from the job. For sure. Uh, well said. So I also want to know now that you're not in that role, I want to know what, what did you do in your ivory tower up there staring over the bar? Yeah, the that's right, baby. <laughs> so, I mean, most of my responsibilities, this is one of the tough things about becoming a sport administrator. You get further away from like the things you love the most, which is interacting with the young people. So my job, you know, in my, in my former role at MLS Launchpad was to really set the strategic direction. So every year we have a business plan. It's got a list of objectives and strategies. 
And then staff like yourselves would execute what we call tactics. But we don't want you out there just doing a bunch of stuff, not leading anywhere. We want to make sure there's like, you know, a plan of action that all the little things that you guys do day in, day out, it leads into something. I don't want to use the word greater because that makes it sound like your rule is less important. But like it comes together and it converges at a point where we're going to see true impact and be able to measure that impact. Another part of my job was really building exterior like relationships and connections for MLC Launchpad. So part of what we have to do is we have to raise money. Like, like you said, Corey, we offer the programs at no cost to the young person, but someone's got to pay. So it would be like building respect in the community, speaking about the work that you all do and the other coaches do to gain people's you know, attention and for them to want to invest their money in that. There's also things like the, you know, less sexy part of my job, big up to the ops team, you know, and like overseeing the actual facility, working on a capital plan for multi years to make sure that we got the lights on and that the HVAC is working. Um, so there's, it's like, you don't get to do some of the things you love the most, but you, you have to remind yourself that, you know, me coming to Launchpad and creating the LIT program led to the job that Matt got that led to the job he's in right now. So I never like, I guess ran the LIT program, but I developed it, curated it, um, got board approval for it. And like, you could see how that kind of thing grows. So it's hard to see how everyone's role comes together. Um, but every role, like every role is equally important. You just got to take out different parts of the puzzle. Interesting. So Matt, did you hear that? You owe him for your job. Yeah. You're welcome. Very grateful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Now you earned it. Earned Loved it. every minute and have loving every minute since. You earned it. You earned it. every second of that. Uh, just touching on to what, uh, you know, your role was at Launchpad and what your new role is as the, uh, director of the EDI team for the Leafs, Argos and TFC, yeah. uh, for those who don't know what EDI is, it's, uh, equity and inclusion and diversity. So what are some of the new initiatives you're hoping to facilitate in your new role? Yeah, I'm really, uh, honored to be in this role. I, I really view my role as, as one that's focused on social impact and growth. And I think that we can achieve both of those things at the same time. So MLSC and our teams are really pushing towards full inclusion, right? To me, that means employees show up every single day feeling like they can bring their true authentic self to work, that fans can cheer for our teams in the ways that make them feel good and make them feel comfortable, um, and that our teams are producing the best on-field, on-court, on-ice product because there's a, you know, you know what it's like when you're on a team. When that locker room's clicked, you can't beat us. And we want to have that, that feeling of that like cup team locker room in every aspect of the work that we touch. So some of the things I really am passionate about is, is listening to people and getting a good understanding of what, what full inclusion means to them. You know, I, I said it a couple of times. I'll say it again. Defining success is really important. And what I personally deem as success may not be the same as everybody else, but we got to get to a place where all of our fans feel connected, right? And there are traditional groups like black people, like women, like indigenous peoples, like you're seeing an, an uptick in anti-Asian hate right now. You're seeing xenophobia, you're seeing homophobic behavior in sport. Like we got to get to the bottom of all of these because if we can't, if we can't reach out to fans in a diverse way, our business won't do well. Let's just be real. Like this is Toronto. It's super diverse. Diversity is not a choice. It's diverse, full stop. Like most of the kids you guys coach are biracial at this point. So if we don't start doing things differently, we're just going to lose a population. And we're up against Netflix and Fortnite and like sports up against these powers, man, right? So if we as sport don't come together and make it clear why kids should care about us, they just probably won't. 
No, that's a great answer. Well said. Um, can I just chime in on that, Matt? Like, Justin, what you just For said, sure. you're up against Netflix, you're up against Disney Plus now, you're up against video games like Fortnite, etc. Like, that's so true. People forget about forget about that. Like, sport is entertainment, right? That's what it's a form of entertainment. We go to watch a sports game to entertain us, and and people forget like they can rather like you can go to the movie theater and entertain you. You can go to the theater and entertain you. You don't have to go to the arena or turn on your TV to watch a sports game. You can put For on sure. a movie. You can put on a TV show. So I, I didn't, I've learned it in university and sports marketing classes, but you saying it again, I'm like, wow, there's so much even more now that they got to deal with. For sure. So if you're not making it like culturally relevant to me, like if hockey's not going to be culturally relevant to me as a black person, right? If hockey's not going to signal to me that you want my time, interest and money, I'll just give my money somewhere else. You know? So for me, it's not like a, Hey, you're wrong and you're right type of thing. It's more like, who do you want to be here? And when you look at the changing demographics of our city and our country, like we got to start making some tough choices about who we really want to be. To add to that, um, if you guys are able to accomplish that on the professional level, that goes, that will go all the way down to the grassroots level. Right? So the more people who are watching sports, whatever sport it may be at the professional level, now they want to take their time, put that in at the grassroots level. And then, you know, the vehicle that sport can be, you mentioned that before, where it can take you, the things it can teach you, all that sort of stuff. Well, let's look at it. Like people will laugh and, you know, comment on the Shanna plan, right? But, but Brendan and Kyle are both really clear about the least desire to maintain puck possession. And the fact that like opposing teams are just too good at scoring now. You, there's too many shots per game. If we dump and chase and punt the, punt the football, like we're going to be playing defense the whole night. And you're probably not going to win a lot of hockey games. So we'll take a chance. We're going to maintain puck possession. We're going to turn it over sometimes. But that's the style of play we're going to use. Now watch the CHL. Watch the GTHL over the next couple of years. And watch how coaches look up to that methodology of coaching that Coach Keefe is using. And say, yeah, we're going to run our team that way too. Now, I'm not saying that at the grassroots level you have the same you know, skill, practice time, IQ, competency level to emulate an NHL system. But I'm saying like we as MLSC, the Leafs, the Argos, the Raptors, TFC, we send signals to youth sport organizations about how to do their business. And to your point, Mandela, if we can send signals about why inclusion is really important to us, I truly believe that we can help to reform youth sport. We can make youth sport a place that we can basically, you know, I think it's, it's an opportunity to, to create healthier, more inclusive communities through sports. Sports is the tool we can use to get there. Definitely creates unity, that's for sure. I'd love to see it get there one day. Love yeah, except if you're a Bru- Bruins fan and there's no unity at all. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> we leave you outside the door. <laughs> mm-hmm. Too much got, PTSD. There. The one thing I'll give Boston, they got a really nice practice facility now. That's they do. Yeah. I, I haven't been complex. inside. I drove, I drove past it on the highway. It's beautiful. It's all full of windows. Like it's, it's an incredible facility. Yeah. Warrior, warrior ice arena. I think it's called. They're actually going to finish the NWHL. They just announced at the end of March, March 26th, 27th, I believe they're doing the, yeah. playoffs oh, okay, for the NWHL out of that arena. Okay, cool. So I get a chance to watch that. The NWHL Justin. I haven't seen a game yet, to be honest. I was following it. Um, I'm trying to follow the arrows a little bit, uh, but I didn't get a full broadcast and I got a bunch of half broadcasts and periods here and there. Okay. Any preliminary thoughts on it? On the NW? 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think anytime we can invest and support women's sports, important, right? Like women's sports is just sports. So I think that's dope. I think the talent level is, is there. I think the excitement in the game is there. The goal scoring is there. It was really dope to see like this whole Twitch situation where you can probably reach out to a younger demographic because you use that vehicle. So some people looked at it like, oh, well, it's not on real TV. That's not viable. I actually looked at it the other way. and was like, I think that's a great way to beat younger kids where they're at. If you're a traditionalist, you think like hockey is supposed to be played on Saturday night at seven o'clock and that's it. But I think if you want to reach this younger audience, mediums like Twitch are important to meet them where they're at and get the content to where they're not going to come look for it. I mean, obviously yeah. the NW bubble didn't finish as, as everyone hoped. And, you know, with COVID and the pandemic, there's, there's all those inherent challenges too. But overall, I think it, it was a dope concept. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I can say from like experience with the women's game, um, my last year of university, I did a sports marketing course for our class project. So every, we split into groups and everybody had to come up with a marketing plan for the CWHL. Sure enough, that was the last, like, that was the last season for the CWHL. Cause at the end of that semester, they came out and said, yeah, we're uh, folding in May. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's who spent all the yeah. time on the project went, what? <laughs> but one of the things yeah. everyone had in common was use YouTube, use Twitch, like get your product out there. Cause it's clear that, you know, TV isn't going to put you on because you're not going to get the numbers, right. That right. they deem to, for you to be on continuously because you play at awkward times because then that's the and other it's thing. It's tough though, right? It's that chicken yeah. and egg of if you put it on, maybe you would get the numbers, but if you mm-hmm. don't get the numbers, they're not going to put it on. Right. So I totally well, hear you on that. To go alongside with that, the, their target market, when we asked the CWHL, their target market was young girls and young boys right? And families. Well, they're playing with the women. They have to work full-time jobs, right? And they have families of their own. And so when they get a chance to play, they're playing on Saturday, Sunday. When do kids get a chance to play once they're at school all day, Saturday, Sunday. So they can't go and watch a game. Such a good point. Such a good point. And that was like, we sat there going, something has to give, something has to change in order for the, for it to for this to work. Yeah, for sure. And I said, that's a great point. But anyways, enough, enough about that. We'll move on um, to other things. So like we were saying, the NWHL is going to be coming back. I found out today, TFC is going to be in the CONCACAF championship without playing the Canadian championship finals because it was postponed, which we are time for the soccer. Forge, yeah. It's, it's okay. It's a home. So we're time for mess. soccer. Yeah. It's a home yeah. Uh, <laughs> but going on from that Leafs play tonight against Winnipeg. Another game. They're in a bit of a skid. What are your thoughts on that role? Well, it's tough because, you know, you're, you're playing well. You're playing hard. But you've almost shown us what you've got. So we're going to drive the net hard. We're going to focus on puck possession. We're doing, listen, we're doing a great job of getting shots on net. And that's been big. But now we've given teams in this kind of North division a chance to see what we're coming with. And you're only scouting for six, what is it, six other teams? So it's like, yeah. it's it's hard. Like, usually you're advanced scouting for, like, 20 teams. So we, they know everything about us. It's like I was telling Mandela, it's like, well, we just played against Edmonton, and and we did a great job against McDade. But, I mean, we threw two or three bodies at him every time he could touch the puck. But besides the point, we knew what he was going to do. We threw bodies at him. We, we dispossessed him in corners. We didn't let him rush the net. And it was challenging for them. 
So I think teams, yeah. So I think teams are doing that to us too. And obviously, these goalies are just like standing on their heads somehow against us, right? Hellebuck is the Vesna winner from last year, right? So we're going up against. I did not know he stole the game the other night. I did not know that he's solid. Yeah, Connor Hellebuck was the uh, Vesna winner from last year. So we're going up against you know the best of the best from whatever last from last season so yeah i know i will say that i like the long game we're playing i look at things like how many minutes most playing i like the balance of our lines we we obviously need simmer back in the lineup um Mm -hmm. but but i think when i look at the long haul i'm not that concerned about this slide of a couple games because we're still playing well we're still playing hard i think that we're still balancing minutes well so guys are not going to be burnt when you get out of the bubble you also have to remember the ebbs and flows of of living in this COVID time and, and finding motivation. And like, it's just hard. It's got to be difficult to get up and down. And we all feel it every day when we wake up. So yeah. um, all those things considered, I feel good about our, our team overall and the direction that we're taking. Speaking I mean, on, if I thought the, the team sucked, they would have never took this job, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking on the direction of the team, do you feel like there's any assets that we can add to this contending team, not to say that it's not, but this team is definitely a contender for the cup. But in your opinion, would there be any pieces that you would add uh, potentially trade or, or signing in the off season uh, depending on what happens? Yeah. I leave the trade talk to the front office and, and podcast hosts like you. <laughs> Smart okay. Choice. So then my follow-up would be, I, let me say this. Let me say this. I like the composition of our team when health. Okay. Yes. I think that some of the perception of the fan base around some of our players is that they're not producing in ways we expected them to produce, right? So they're like, okay, but then the guy gets hot and all of a sudden people forget about that. So Mm. again, it's ebbs and flows. And as a coach, I try to stay focused on the long play. Try not to get too wrapped up in the moments when guys are really producing and in the moments when guys are underachieving. Because I feel like that's the most dangerous thing about why fans don't make the best GM because you're too emotional. You're like, you're mm-hmm. caught up in the hype. When you're part of the club, yeah. you see the ins and outs, you know what is going on in a player's mind and like why they may be slumping or it's like, it's like Pascal in the bubble last year. He didn't play as well as he normally plays, but we all knew that was a blip. We knew something mm-hmm. wasn't right. He just wasn't on his game. So people are trade this guy. You can't trade the guy. You just <laughs> want us an NBA championship, but we yeah. get so emotional. I'm a fan too. I feel it. But, I think when I look at, you know, I look at the composition of our current team right now, I feel happy about like what we have um, when healthy, right? Like when we have everybody on the ice and when everyone's playing to their, to their full ability, like I, I actually like our team, you know, like I look at TJ Brody and people are like, yo, this guy's not scoring goals, but yo, the guy's playing sick defense for us. He's yeah. solid defense. He's, so so solid. he's got a so like, magic what do you wand. Do? So people are like, why'd you trade for this guy? I thought he was a goal scorer. I'm like, yeah, I thought he was a goal scorer too, but I actually didn't know he was just solid playing defense. I, I thought he was an offensive defenseman until he started playing in our system. And now I'm like, yo, this guy's, this guy's a good hockey player. So again, I leave that stuff to the, to the front office and guys like you who know hockey better than me, but I really like our team as it is. Once we get guys on the ice playing healthy. No, very well said people like, especially Toronto fans. Like we, we know how polarizing of a city we are and people always want more. So like when mm. you're doing good, you can always be doing more. And when you're not, <laughs> doing bad, yeah, you're that's down, a bad, you're like down bad with the fans. So I like that. Yeah. So, um, 
we'll get to a little bit more serious topic. Um, so it's just a question about your personal career. So it's no secret that um, as an as a black man working your way through, um, we'll call it corporate America, there's probably some barriers and stuff you've had to face and overcome. What are some of those challenges and barriers? And also based off of those, what's some advice you would have for a young black person like me or any other young black person out there navigating their career in terms of overcoming barriers, acquiring skills, that sort of stuff? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think one of the things I've learned looking back on my career is that a lot of the barriers I faced, I didn't even know I was facing. And when I look back, I realized like, yo, maybe that happened because I'm black or maybe there's something strange there. And you don't, it's always this gut feeling where you're just not sure and you can't quote unquote prove how you feel, but there's always these feelings, right? So there's that. The other thing I'll say is that I have a lot of privilege. So yes, I identify as a black man, but I'm still a dude. I still hold privilege. I still am heterosexual, Christian, university educated, you know, go down the list of all my privilege too. So the other thing I learned is all of us are facing barriers, and that's why I really want to drive towards equity and full inclusion. Because that means like the barriers that Corey faces are different than the barriers that Mandela faces are different than the barriers that Matt faces. No one's barriers are more or less important. But what we have to recognize is that some of these barriers have never been acknowledged. And I think as a black person, that's where my frustration is coming. It's like there's no acknowledgement that there's a barrier that I'm facing. So, you know, here's a couple of stories. So, you know, I'm, I'm in my car with a coworker. You know, and I'm like newly hired and we come up to a stop sign and we got to go left, but there's a no left turn sign. So I make a right and then make another two rights. And my colleague says, why don't you turn left? And I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a no left turn sign. They're like, oh, but everyone turns. And I'm like, am I really about to explain to this white person why like you could make that left turn, but I can't? Like, yeah. let me just leave that. I'm not going to bother with that. You know what I mean? So it's like little things like this that happen to you all the time where you're like, am I really going to try to explain to you where I come from and the fact that like, I just don't want to get pulled over right now. And that's not because I have a stick in my glove box. That's just because I just don't want to get pulled over right now. You, you just know what that could lead to. Exactly. Right? So in terms of advice I give people is my, my basketball coach used to always say, you got to know where you are and you got to know who you are. So it's like, if you're not a three-point shooter and you catch the ball outside the arc, do not shoot the ball. Find something else to do. Drive it, kick it, something else. If you're a good defender, you got to know who you are, where you are. Go pick up the best player in another team and shut them down. Give me a stop. So I, I think that translates from sport into life. Like, you got to know who you are and where you are. Like, where am I right now? What's appropriate? And, and how do I make sure that, that I can be my real self and have impact and value, even though I can't shoot the three, I can do something to help my team right now. And you got to find those opportunities. The big piece of advice I give young people, especially interns, is warm up your food in the microwave. And they're always like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, first of all, you're an intern. You don't have money. Don't get caught up in buying lunch every day. Like, be smart. Pack your food. But more importantly, warm up your food in the microwave. Because when I was young and I would bring, like, leftovers that my mom made or whatever, like, I wouldn't want to warm up, like, West Indian food in the microwave and people are like, oh, that smells weird. What are you making? That's strange. And now I'm like, no, I'm going to warm up my food. And if you don't like it, too bad for you. And I think like that's some of the confidence that I've had to build where it's like, I'll warm up my food in the microwave. Yeah, no, very well said. I mean, 
like you said, some of those barriers that are just not mentioned, but they're there and we have to deal with them on a regular basis and just adds that stress. And then also to your point that everyone faces different barriers, that also goes overlooked a lot too, right? And I, sure. like the way you, I like the way you put it, how I got different barriers than Corey and Matt, right? So For sure. And I also like, um, basically you're trying to be your real self, which is a, which can be a struggle for anybody in this world. Um, so like when you're just starting anywhere, an intern, that kind of thing, you don't want to step on people's toes, right? You want to try and... But I think that comes with time, right? And it comes with the confidence and knowing who you are, where you are. Just before the call with you, I just got off a call with, with, with a lot of staff, including Brendan Shanahan. And in the meeting, I used the word dope. Because that's how I talk. And when I was younger, I would probably code switch. I'd probably try to use vernacular that makes them feel comfortable. And now I'm like, no, like I'm going to talk how I talk. And if that's not good enough for you, that's okay. And what I love about the organization that we all work for is that it is okay. Like it is a safe space where I could just be me and I could just say the things I want to say. So I'm in a super, you know, professional meeting with the least front office. And I'm like, that's a dope idea. Cause that's just like what I would say to you. And I'm just going to say the same thing to everybody else. No, I like that. And I rate that. Like definitely yeah. one, one of the most authentic people I've ever come across in a management position at any job I've ever worked at. I appreciate that. Thank you. And also just as a person, like, you know, you can always reach out to Justin for whatever it may be. Like we asked him to be on the show. He just jumped on it. He didn't even hesitate. He's just like, come on. How how can I pass on this? This is better than the knuckleheads. (laughs) <laughs> no just to touch on that i i know what it's like because i remember when starting as an lit which you know justin gave got me that position in the long run uh, i remember i was so shy after like getting hired in september i just you know couldn't i didn't want to walk anywhere i couldn't talk keep my head down i think it took me like two or three months I, after that i was showing everybody around i was doing tours for everybody that came in popping your jibs out mid-meeting yeah scaring the teachers scaring everybody popping the tooth out when the kids got hurt it was great you know <laughs> Uh, so I know what it's like to, you know, just kind of fit into yourself and, you know, like you said, you know where you are and be yourself. And we also, you can't be hard on yourself because it's a process, yeah. right? And we all struggle with our identities. We all feel imposter syndrome sometimes. We always, we all feel like we just don't belong sometimes. So I think it's also, you can't put too much pressure on yourself. You have to know who you are and where you have to slowly live through that process. You can't be in a rush to let that happen. We just talked about TJ Brody, like, he could have came in and tried to score 50 goals, but like, you got Matthews at Barnum, bro. Like, what can you do, right? There's this story about Alex Crusoe, the backup point guard on the Lakers that he told, and I love it because they asked him like, yo, you're a short white guy. How do you, how did you transition from the G League to the Lakers and have like minutes in the playoffs? Like, what did you, what's the secret? And he goes, well, I realized they weren't looking for another LeBron James. It's like, I realized like, I got to bring something that they don't have because they don't need someone to go get a bucket for them. They have that. So, let me die for loose balls. Let me try to take a charge. Let me get physical in the paint. Like, let me find a way to earn a spot on this team. And what I love about that is he shows his diversity. He shows that, yeah, he's different than other guys, but he also, that's a, that's a benefit because he's different. He brings things that other guys, like if you grew up as a five-star recruit and you were the man on campus, you're probably not diving for loose balls, but he was never that guy. So he's been diving for loose balls his whole life. So when people are like, look at this guy's effort, he's like, I'm just doing what I always and I think that's really cool about it, too, is you get to see sometimes the things that other people view as barriers are actually opportunities if I flip it. And I can use that because I'm like, yo, I know that LeBron had dagger for that response. Well, let me die for it. And I think that really helps. you. Very well said. Very, very well said. I feel like that's becoming a meme at this point. 
Mix keeps saying very well no, said like, after Justin <laughs> speaks. I know, but like there's no like there's no last way to put it. Like you want to add something, but he covers like most of it. It's crazy. True. So like speaking of that, like knowing yourself, like what are some of the your proudest moments, proudest accomplishments in your life? Oh, like, oh man. My kids, uh having two beautiful kids. Um there's no moment like that. I've 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 felt heartbreak before and and i and i thought i knew what love felt like until i until i met my two kids man like when they popped up on the earth like that's there's nothing more that makes me proud than watching them grow and explore the world and like start to build their own identity talk back sometimes which i'm not a huge fan of but like just watching them go through this experience of life makes me slow my life down it makes me appreciate how quickly it's going because I can mark my age and their age. and like, wow, you're that age already? Like, whoa, hold on. You got to slow this down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, hear that from, I hear that from multiple people. Who, as soon as they have their first kid, it's like your whole life changes. Like you, you look at things much yep. different. So enjoy that disposable income you got. Enjoy your ability <laughs> to listen to music with swearing in it. Enjoy watching the Netflix shows of your choice and not Paw Patrol. <laughs> like do your thing now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do they play any sports or are they too young for that? Yeah, my kids are four and two. Um, they both love sport. They both, they play everything. Like, I mean, we're just kicking around in the backyard, but they, they play everything. They're into it. They watch our teams on TV. Um, they, they're so passionate and they love it. Um, and that makes me proud. Like all my, all my, all my friends are like, oh, you're going to, my wife played um, soccer in the States on a scholarship. So everyone's like, oh, you guys are going to make your kids play sport. And I'm like, I don't care what they do. They just can't suck. You want to play pro hockey. You want to be a, you know, a concert violinist. You want to be an author. Just don't suck. You pick whatever you want. Just, just win. Them. No, I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Good. Well, they definitely got the athletic genes. Uh, definitely yeah, more from my, more from my wife. But yeah. <laughs> if you need some hockey coaches, we can, we can help you out. We know got, a couple guys. Got three of them right here. Yeah, that's it. Guys on retainer, basically. Uh, <laughs> just moving forward. Uh, so, you know, the NBA and a lot of these, you know, national leagues are trying to tackle the social movements around, especially uh, the BLM movement. So what do you think, just talking about NBA specifically, because I feel like they're uh, the main ones, what do you think of them and how are they doing kind of tackling these social issues, uh, whether it be the Black Lives Matter and even moving forward with uh, the you know anti-Asian, uh, you know, hate that's going on everywhere. So how do you yeah, think I that think, they've been handling it? I think the NBA has been proactive in seeing the opportunity to stand for, for social issues. I think Generation Z cares more than any generation before about what you care about. And people are spending money on companies that are investing in, in causes that are important to them. I, I think the NBA has invested in, in women's basketball for two decades. And to me, that's a huge signal as well. Um, in terms of Black Lives Matter, you know, it's interesting because I think pressure creates opportunity. And when those guys walked off the court, those white owners had to take a good look at themselves and say, boy, now you're messing with my pockets. This is not my problem. And I'm finding that in society, until a problem becomes your problem, people aren't really that interested. So I'll give you an example. Like, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be able-bodied and, and like, you know, I have a lot of friends who work in disability sport who teach me so much and I learn so much from them. And I always say, like, as a person who's able-bodied, I have to make it my fight because I'm the one in the position of privilege. So now when I walk into No Frills or 
into an arena or whatever, I'm like, this ramp doesn't look AODA compliant. Like, this doesn't look safe. That's too steep. Now, fast forward, I have a kid and I'm pushing a stroller and I can't find a ramp to push my stroller up. It's now finally affected me. Like, I, 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 noted, I knew it was a problem before, but like, it wasn't my problem because it, it doesn't affect me personally. And now that I'm trying to push a stroller and I can't find a ramp, and I, or I have to go all the way over there to find a ramp, I'm like, yo, this is what? And that's only on the days I choose to bring a stroller. I still got a choice. So I think with Black Lives Matter and the NBA, there was pressure that the players run that league. So now when they say, we're not going to give you our asset, which is our skill, talent, and blackness, then you're not going to get access to what you're, you've been earning off of that, right? And I think you see a shift. People like to say urban culture. No, it's black culture. It's black, you know, but you just didn't want to say that. And now we're finally in a place where it's like you have to accept that for what it is. No, I think that's a, it's a great answer. I, I, that really like that analogy you gave was like really opened up my eyes. That was crazy. Um, Jared Smith, Jared Smith had a quote, I believe it, it, it. If you can't hear us, well, now you can't see us. Yeah. Power. And again, they're coming from a position Damn. of power in that, right? Mm-hmm. It was great different, to see but that's where you got to really explore power because that's the power dynamic you got to get to. When you got a, a president of an NBA team who's black, who who stands and speaks loudly, boy, people got to listen, right? Yeah, for sure. No, I think that uh, I think that was like I'm just kind of still processing the answer because it just like hit me so hard. But I think it was really well said. So I appreciate that answer. Can we have a counter on this episode? How many times? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Corey? You handle the counter. You go You go ahead with the counter, Corey. I'm just happy we're not doing a video for this one because I'd actually have to break out the video editing skills. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, that like Matt said, that was said very well. I'll switch it up. Um, yeah. And uh, we'll 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 wrap it up with this final question, which was a fan submitted question. You can probably guess once I ask it who uh, sent in this question. Um, but he fellow, basically, launch, fellow Launchpad, fellow yeah, launch basically someone said, from Launchpad. There's the hint. What do you got against LeBron James? Oh, here we tell go. our viewers what you have against <laughs> LeBron James. I love LeBron James. I think LeBron James is listen. LeBron does not get enough credit for what he does in the black community. Okay. He's been committed. He is an articulate, smart black young man who defied so many odds in his life and deserves all the flowers, but he's not the goat. That's all I got to say. Like he's just not the goat. (laughs) If we're talking about, if we're talking about this, you know, summation of his life, all the things off court, on court. He's got a really good argument. But if we're talking about basketball alone, I'm just sorry. Like, he's just not the GOAT. Mandela said it. I grew up in a, I'm from a different era. I'm just from a different time, you know? So, so, so who's your GOAT? Count, yeah, to counter that, Corey, you know, who, who would be your GOAT? I mean, my I, favorite I, player of all time is Kobe, but Michael Jordan is the GOAT. That's just it. Okay. Like, it's just, okay. he's just the best player that's ever played basketball. I I I agree with that. Hold on a sec. Sorry, we're talking about the goat in regards to men's players only for the context of this part of the conversation, right? Like, yes, but yes, he's he's the best male basketball player ever. Mm -hmm. Full Mm -hmm. stop. (laughs) No, I agree. I agree. (laughs) 
He's got six rings, and I think he lost like three games in eight months or something we like that. Mandela, we don't even need to talk numbers. Just but he's also fast. the only player that has a defense and offensive player for it as well. Only you don't have player. to say a word. We know already, man. No numbers, just facts. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, I, thank I, you for joining us. I didn't. I didn't pick this question. You? This was just given to me, and I and I ran no, with I it. I like that question. That's a good question. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. No, thank you for joining us. This was great. Um, it's probably been my most enjoyable pod so far. Like, it was a great conversation. Different yeah. than constantly talking about sports and like hearing about someone's athletic career, which I love to hear. But it's always nice to have a hear a refreshed angle, a different angle. So, man, it's love- the only angle I got. Mandela, most of your guests are pro athletes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fair, 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 yeah, but fair. that's what we're here for. We're here to learn about people who, you know, aren't are unknown in Toronto, right? And and we focused on some of the youth coming up, but it's good to get and talk to some of the people who have been through Toronto, have seen things change in the city, right? Mm-hmm. And how they've given back yeah, and mentored. Thank you for yeah. giving a voice and a platform, man, for the unheard. Much love to all of y'all. You know, big up yourself. Thank you for coming. Big, big up to you. Good luck with your Once new position. Uh, and congratulations. Yeah, yeah like, thank, thank you. you. I'm gonna call, I'm gonna be calling y'all to help me, man. I'm gonna need that help. You got us hey, on our, you got us on speed <laughs> dial, so you know. We're one phone call away. Peace yeah. y'all. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Again, thank you to Justin for joining us. That was a great conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um as you guys heard, there was a fan submitted a question at the end. So please feel free to submit questions on our Instagram page, DM us. Um, our special guest next week is going to be the one and only Akil Thomas, World Junior Championship game-winning goal scoring, Ontario Reign playing, NHL drafted, Hockey Diversity Alliance. You heard it here first. Please join us next week to hear him and all the good stuff he has to say. Once again, thanks for joining us. Going to hand it off to the boys for their final remarks. Thanks again. It was a great episode. We always love your uh, appreciation and tuning in and sharing our content and just, you know, coming along for the ride uh, again next week's going to be a huge episode uh, i think uh i think next week's going to be the end of season one right i think we're gonna yep we're gonna wrap it up next week so season one will end with nine episodes we'll try and keep our seasons uh roughly around the same so thank you guys for sticking with us basically for a whole season we really appreciate it uh cory final remarks i only gotta say one thing and i think you all know what it is Ready? All right. All right. Hold on. Hold on. I got to get my ears ready. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Three, two, one. Peace.